Episode number 32. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast. Lessons from Authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with the Higher Life Podcast. In this week's Torah portions, Vayera, we're going to speak about how deep emotions can overcome deep contradictions a powerful parable about being higher than the angels. We're going to have a great story about Rav Shach and peace in your home, focusing on the good. And now, the Torah portion of the week with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So the Parsha ends off with the Akedah, the sacrificing of Yitzchak. Rubain Obaki explains that this was the most difficult test that Avram Avinu had. This was the 10th test. And he says it bears no resemblance to all the other tests. It's on such a high madrega. Such a high level. He says our imagination is quite inadequate to grasp the enormity of what was demanded of him. In other words, this test was on a totally different level. And the three days were given so that people shouldn't say it was just an impulsive act, but rather it was a deep reflection from Avram's feelings. And Rav Dessler explains that this went against everything that Avram was teaching. Avram was trying to fight the Avodah the idol worship of his day, where they were offering up children. He was trying to fight them. This went against everything that Avram Avinu believed in. He said not only what it would cause confusion to the outside world to all of his followers, but also inside of Avram's heart it would cause confusion. And the Malbim explains the reason why he left Eliezer and Yishmael to the side and he went off in private to do the act because he was embarrassed. He couldn't even bring himself to do it in public. It went against his entire belief system. And not only that, but the Midrash explains, but this was a pure contradiction. The contradiction was that Avram was promised that from Yitzchak would come all of his generations and all the Jewish people. And now all of a sudden God turns around and tells him to sacrifice him. It was a contradiction. So where did Avram find the strength to pass this test? And the Midrash explains that he did it with such purity of heart that he didn't even ask on God. This is what the Midrash says. Avram said, when you said to me, Hashem, please take your only son, I could have answered you. Yesterday you told me that all my descendants would come from Yitzchak, and now you told me to offer him up, but I didn't say anything. I suppressed my mercy in order to do your will. In other words, the mercy that he had on his own child, he could have questioned God, and he could have expressed, please God, don't let me kill my only son, and he kept quiet. On this he says, Hashem, may it be your will that in the future, when the children of Yitzchak fall into sin, please remember this Akedah and act towards your children with mercy. And this is why the Akeda, this act of Avinu, protects the Jewish people for all of history. On this merit, the Jewish people are protected even when they sin. Because Avram Avinu didn't even question God. So where is Avram coming from? How can it be it's a contradiction to everything he stood for, for his entire life? And not only that, it's a contradiction to what God said to him. And he doesn't say a word. He just does God's will. And the Mabam explains it gets even worse because God was trying to pull out Avram's feelings towards Yitzchak before he did this act. Avram was told, please take your son, your only one who you love. Here we see that Avram's feelings are being addressed, that he should feel the love and at the same time sacrifice his son. So the Mabam wants to explain it wasn't just a question of listening. He brings a Midrash Tanchuma that explains in the quotes of Yirmiyahu that says, the Akedah is an act of God that he did not command. In other words, the commandment to sacrifice his son was not clear. The Rashi explains that Shem didn't say that he should slaughter his son, but rather bring him up. 
And the Bereshish Rabbah says, not that you brought him up, so bring him down. So really, in a certain sense, God only told Avraham to bring him up to the altar. He didn't tell him to actually sacrifice him. So what was Avraham doing? And what was the test? So he wants to explain that the test was, how was Avraham going to interpret what God was telling him? Really, God left it open. We see he wasn't very specific. He didn't tell him to slaughter his son. He told him to bring him up. So Avram at that point could have said, listen, God, you told me that Yitzchak is going to be the one who all the Jewish people come from. But he didn't do that. He acted in a way in the utmost purity to serve God to the best of his ability, which meant to him to sacrifice Yitzchak. And this demonstrated his deepest love for God. Since there were two ways to interpret what God was saying to him, and Avram chose to clearly demonstrate his love for God, that was the passing of the test. Lev Dessler explains that he didn't want to ask God about the contradiction of what God said before, how all the children of Israel come from Yitzchak, because he was afraid that it was his love for Yitzchak that was motivating the question. He accepted the commandment totally without questioning it. And Avram's son Yitzchak had no power over him. His love for his son had no power over him for his love for God. And this would silence the voice of the accuser for generations against the Jewish people. Because we see that Avram came from such a pure place that he didn't even question God where he had a chance to. Rav Desla goes on to explain, The inner point with one merits spiritual power is the ability to recognize the truth. There is an inner point in the Jewish heart which is ready to suppress personal desires in favor of God's will. Even though the person may not understand the reasons why God did something, and his qualities of chesed are completely hidden. In other words, where's God's chesed? What's God doing? <laughs> he's going against everything I've ever believed in. He's going against, he's killing his own, he's killing his son. What's he doing? The answer is he had such a love for God that he knew that God was totally good and God could only be good and I must do what God's telling me to do. Even though he had a way to interpret it a different way. He wanted to do the maximum and he didn't care about his own personal desires. Reb Desler brings an example. We know that the Gemara says that if a Jew gives tzedakah and he says with this tzedakah that my son should be healed, that's still considered tzedakah. Because even, even if the son is not healed, and God forbid, even if the son dies, the Jew doesn't care. He doesn't look back and say, hey, I shouldn't give tzedakah. No, he's giving tzedakah because it's a commandment to give tzedakah. It's a mitzvah to give charity. He doesn't care about the totsaot, the results of the charity. And the Midrash says, I could have challenged this command, but I didn't do so. I pretended to be deaf and dumb. Therefore, in the future, God, please, when the accuser comes against the Jewish people, pretend like you're deaf and dumb. And in this chus, the Jewish people are protected. So the Musa that we get out of this is to serve God with a pure heart and do not question God. And even though things seem to be a contradiction, and we may have bad things happening in our life, but it's kulo tov, it's only good, and God knows what's right. So a person has to go forward and do the mitzvahs with a purity of heart, and knowing that God is good, even if we don't understand. Here is a powerful parable. Open your mind and help you reach your potential. The Chavetz Chaim has a parable about being higher than the angels. We know in Devarim it says the Jewish people are God's children. And they rank higher than the angels, even though really in the science, the angels are higher, right? They're pure spirituality, they're in the highest heavens. And human beings are flesh and blood, bones living on the earth. So how could it be that we're higher? So he gives a parable like this. A king has a scribe and he has soldiers. 
One serves him with the pen, and the other one serves him with guns. The scribe sits in the palace, dressed very nicely with clean garments, and the soldiers dressed in arming clothing, all dirtied, full of mud and filth, maybe even blood and perspiration. He looks horrible. And surely, if an outsider would meet a soldier or meet a scribe, he would give more honor to the scribe. He looks more mukhubad, more honorable. But the king really has a greater affection for the fighting soldier. Why? Because the soldier is battling day after day on the, on the field. He risks his life every day. So his filthy clothing are like a hundred witnesses to the sovereignty of the king. Because he's protecting the king and going against the enemies of the king. And this is why the Jewish people are higher than the angels. Because here on this earth, we're battling for the sanctification of God's name. We're fighting against our evil impulse. We're trying to do good deeds and stop ourselves from doing bad deeds. The angels, even though they're in heaven, but they have no evil impulse. Man has to withstand temptations. And every time he does so, it brings God into the world. People see it. They say, wow, that guy's a mensch. And this is why the Jewish people are really higher than the angels. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. In this week's parsha, it says that Avram arose early in the morning and titled his donkey. For here we learn Zrizis. It's a, it's a mitzvah to do mitzvot with energy and enthusiasm. One time a man came from Petatikva to ask Rav Shach about a certain shidduch, a certain boy in the yeshiva he wanted for his daughter. So Rav Shach said, fine, I'll find out the information for you and clarify the points. The man went back to Petatikva. That evening Rav Shach got the information. And first thing in the morning, as soon as the buses started running, Rav Shach traveled to Petatikva. It was two buses. So he realized he got there early, so early that he didn't want to disturb him. So he wrote down the answer and put it in the man's mailbox. Then he headed back to Badebrak. He was already back in the yeshiva by 7 o'clock in time for the morning prayers. From here, we see how the gedolim acted with zrizes and did mitzvahs with energy and love. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Rav Nachman Daimut talks about focusing on the good. Here's a story here of a man who divorced his wife and then remarried four years later. What happened was his second wife got killed in a car accident and then he remarried his first wife. Why did he remarry his first wife? Because after he married the second wife, he realized in hindsight how good was the first wife. But when he, when he got back with the first wife, he started fighting with her again. And then they got divorced a second time. The question is, what happened? And he tells another story about a widow. And he tells another story about a widow who could not get over the fact that her husband passed away. And she mourned him and mourned him for 17 years until she passed away herself. You couldn't even say a joke to her because she felt like a traitor to her husband. She didn't let singing or any music into her house. Her whole house was covered with pictures of her husband. And she visited his grave twice a week. So he says, listen, I know this couple because they came to therapy for me. And she used to complain about her husband unbelievable. He said her husband had 400 good qualities and 17 faults. But those 17 faults, she would never give in. She kept pounding away again and again about the faults the entire marriage. What happened? Her husband passed away. Then she forgot about the faults, and she all of a sudden realized that, wow, my husband had 400 great qualities. The same thing happened with the man that remarried his first wife. The second wife that he married had 40 bad faults, and she had 17 bad faults. But after he got back together with her, she started to focus on the faults again. When he was away from her, he's remembering what a great wife she was. So why do people act this way? Because they believe that they deserve 100%. And this is a mistake. 
It was one black dot, and they focus on that, and it takes over their entire lives, and it ruins their lives and their marriages. You can have a case, for example, of a woman, very popular woman, everybody loves her, and her husband can't stand her. Why is that? Because he wants 100%. Nobody else is expecting 100% from another human being. Everybody has faults. So why in our marriages and our relationships do we think that we should deserve 100%? We know there's a mock locus between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel. How do you dance before the Kala? So Beis Shammai says, describe the Kala the way she is. And Beis Hillel says, a beautiful and graceful bride, no matter how she looks. You have to praise the Kali even if she's crippled or blind. So how can that be? Is that Shekhar? No. You have to focus on the good. Everybody has good and everybody has bad. But if you focus on the bad, you can destroy the marriage. He gives an example. Somebody bought a small, junky car. And one guy taught him, what a horrible car. It's going to burn out. How can you drive that far? He felt horrible. But then another guy taught him, what a great car you have. Well, it's small. It doesn't use much gas. You can get into places where big cars can't. You can park easier. And he was happy. That's the same car. And he knows that the car can't go far. But so what? He's happy with the car the way it is. You should always focus on the good points. No Benadam, no person is an angel. If you look for weaknesses, you're going to find them. But you're going to ruin your life. And it's a shame. He tells one last story about a bachar that went out with a girl. And he wanted to marry her. He liked her very much. But she had crossed eyes. So it was bothering her, bothering him. He didn't know what to do. So he had the chutzpah. Since he did like her, he says, listen, after we get married, maybe we get an operation. And she said, fine. What happened was that she got pregnant. They had their first baby. And she couldn't do the operation. And time passed by. So she asked him, well, maybe you want me to do the operation now? She says, no, I like you the way you are. He even said, I feel that your crossed eyes are part of your charm. So once you get to know somebody, once you connect with somebody, if you focus on the good, we will be happy with them. If we look for the good in others, the bad will fall away and we'll see the good. That's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends and leave comments on the website. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMitterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments. 